This program is brought to you from the Margaret Farrow Studio. Hello and welcome to Newsmakers. I'm your host, Lisa Pugh. Increasing funding to local governments, sometimes referred to as shared revenue, is shaping up to be a key bipartisan cornerstone of the next biennial budget. Local officials say the current funding formula is broken and in need of dire repair. Here to talk about that issue is Mike Coles from the Wisconsin Towns Association and Jerry DeShane from the Wisconsin League of Wisconsin Municipalities. I got it right. Got it well, right. Welcome to you both. Thanks, Lisa. Thanks for Glad having to us. be here. You know, crisis seems to be an overused term by a lot of lobbyists in the biennial budget conversation. Can you give us, both of you, a real-life example of just how bad it is for towns and munici- munici- municipalities? You uh, want to start? I, I, this I, is I, only I will. half an we, hour, we, huh? Yeah, <laughs> uh, we could go on for a long time. I'm going to give you an EMS example. Um, Wisconsin towns are required to provide emergency management services. And there was a report from the Office of Rural Health that just came out a few weeks ago that indicated that we have, uh, I I think, some high percent, 41% that have six or fewer employees, and then 21% that have two to three employees. Uh, That's an issue. Uh, response times are increasing, costs are increasing. And you from, draw that back to the funding. Uh, from G- it's a funding issue. It's a funding and personnel issue, but you need money to have people. Uh, we had from January 1 of 21 to the middle of July of 21, 200 square miles of Ashland County that did not have ambulance service. So what's uh, that crisis look like for all of your members? Well, first and foremost, we, we share the ambulance service, so that's it. And by the way, crisis is an overused term in Madison it applies in this in this arena the other thing is is police i got a phone call from a little village down in southwest wisconsin and the clerk was just she said jerry for the second year in a row not the first year we have to borrow money to meet payroll to pay the police chief city of milwaukee has laid off a thousand people in the last 10 years and in two or three years if nothing happens they'll lay off another 25 percent of their workforce we're we're at the fiscal cliff is why I, I think that's a major reason why there's consensus we need to do something. So let's talk specifically about the numbers. The Fiscal Bureau says each county and municipality currently receives the same amount that they did in 2012. We are looking at a chart from the Local Government Funding Task Force that uses figures from the Fiscal Bureau. Those funding levels here look back to 2001. The graphic compares county and municipal aids between 2001 and 2019 to state income and sales tax collections. So since 2001, local government aid has decreased by 18.4%, while personal income and sales taxes have increased by 74.4% and 57.8% percent respectively. So Mike, when you see that discrepancy between what the state is collecting and what municipalities are receiving, what's your reaction to that? Uh, I have two reactions. First of all, it shows uh, you what the benefit of being connected to the economy would have for local government. One of the things we've asked for for a long time is please connect us to the economy because for local governments, we really have no stake in having investments and a regulatory system that benefits the local economy because we don't 
benefit from the growth in the local economy. So it shows the benefit of that. It also causes our town and I would imagine city village officials to ask the question, well, what in the heck is going on here? The state has had all this money come in. The spending pattern is very similar to their revenue pattern, but we have had not only a flat, but a decreasing amount of money that we get to use to invest in our communities. Has the state been fair? Have they treated towns, villages, cities fairly? The state has a lot of competing interests. And I'm not going to sit here and say, hey, it's just not fair. But we've invested a lot in K-12 education. We've invested a lot in corrections. Mm -hmm. We've invested a tremendous amount in Medicaid. And I'm, I'm rattling off three of the top six expenditure categories. Well, one of those top expenditure categories is local government. It is shared revenue. Shared revenue is the one, as your data shows, that hasn't gone anywhere. So I, I think it's time, and I think legislative leaders have recognized that it's time that we address this. And as Mike said, plug us back into the economy. Jerry, you mentioned before uh cities, villages, and, and towns too, looking at borrowing, increasing their debt. We've also seen uh, municipalities going to referendum. What impact does do those actions have on taxpayers over time? They make property taxes go up. I mean, that's the first thing. Because right now in Wisconsin, and again, we're out of step with the rest of the country, we're one of the few places in the country where property taxes are it. That's how we fund local government in Wisconsin. So as a result, there's more pressure on property taxes. That's the only place to go. But the other thing, borrowing, a symptom, first of all, costs more. You know, it, we were all taught this by our moms and dads, right? If you borrow money for something, you're going to pay much more for that thing versus if you paid for it up front. Um, it's just no way you can say it's a good fiscal practice to borrow money to meet payroll. If a business did that, the business owners would have a sit-down with their banker and there'd be a resolution. But a city, a village, a town, they have nowhere to go. In Wisconsin, a town can't go bankrupt. There's nothing in the law that allows it. They have to figure out a way to make it work. And that's what they've been doing. Frankly, they've been doing it in ways that they don't want to and in ways they shouldn't. And it just comes back to, is this a crisis? Yeah, I think so. Same for towns? Yeah, I would add that with the property tax uh, challenge that we have, if you don't address it with a different source of revenue, you're relying on the property tax. So when you go to referendum, um, which we've had to do in a number of cases just to get an ambulance out the door, that means property taxes are, property taxpayers are going to pay more. When you look at towns, uh, about four-fifths, about 80% of the revenue we bring in is from the property tax, and a vast majority of that is from the residential homeowner. So when we're continuing to rely on the property tax, not connecting us to economy, not diversifying the local revenue stream, what we're doing is making that affordable housing issue uh, even worse in the state of Wisconsin, and we're actually making the labor issue because people can't afford homes even worse. So there's this interconnected web that really becomes problematic with the way we're funding local government right now. 
Well, it seems like you both got a little bit of good news this week. Uh, we knew this was coming, but the governor made a proposal on Wednesday night in his biennial budget address to do something about this issue. The governor says he wants to dedicate a fifth of future sales tax revenue to boost shared revenue by more than $576 million. About half of that would go directly toward public safety aid, supporting law enforcement, fire, EMS, also courts and DA's offices. The rest would be general aid, with 70% going to all municipalities and 30% going to counties. He'd also allow Milwaukee County to levy an additional 1% sales tax and allow other counties to double their local sales tax. Now, that's just a high-level summary, of course, <laughs> of what the governor proposed, but are, are there specific parts of that proposal that your organization supports and hopes moves forward, Jerry? The governor, what, what really happened this week, and it is good news, the governor bought into a proposal that legislative leaders have been talking about for a couple of months now. And a, a shorthand way to put it is, take a penny of the state sales tax, an existing penny, dedicate that to local government. The governor in the past had been skeptical of that. You know, he was more like, how about a percentage increase instead of what we wanted, which was to plug us into the economy. The governor kind of came around on that, and now he is supporting the proposal that legislative leaders had been talking about, which is a penny of the sales tax is for local government. That's the great news out of that. Frankly, the details, Lisa, are still being worked out. And what I've been telling my members, and I suspect Mike is telling his the same, don't start looking at spreadsheets just yet. You know, don't don't start, you know, buying new ambulances off this money. We're a long way from there. Um, how the legislature will react to this particular part of the, pu of the puzzle, we don't know. We know they're going, I'm pretty confident they're going to do something. What exactly that is, what the details are, is, is definitely in the stay tuned category. Towns Association reaction to the governor's budget uh, address? Pretty much ditto. Uh, the top line message, Jerry noted, you have uh, an idea that uh, the Republicans have been talking about, 20% uh, of the state sales tax tying us to the growing economy. Um, the governor had been talking about a 4 and 4% 4 increase across the board. And uh, you heard him in the speech, he doesn't care who gets credit. Uh, and here we are, we have at this juncture, February, an agreement on a mechanism, an agreement on a revenue source, an amount, and there are going to be a lot of details that come about. So don't look at the spreadsheets exactly. <laughs> the soup hasn't been cooked, but we at least have agreed on, on the pot that the soup is going to go in. And that's tremendous. We haven't been there in a long time. Are there any parts of that proposal you expect won't make it across the finish line, the governor's proposal? It's hard to say. Last night at 1030, I was looking at the five-page explanation of the formula yeah, I am that pathetic. I'm sorry. <laughs> but what I meant to say or what I meant to illustrate is this stuff is complicated. Um, Mike probably read the same summary. Mm -hmm. He might take issue with different parts of it. Some I liked, some I don't like. But then you have to say, okay, that's the governor's formula. Legislators, I suspect, may take an entirely different take on it. The league... <laughs> takes the position, and I suspect Mike, Mike's organization is, is in the same boat, we are willing to resolve this, address this issue, almost any way you can think of. So we're not going to say, yep, 
that's the proposal we love, or that's the proposal we love. We just say, plug us back into the economy. You tell us what sort of, what sort of, not strings attached, what does the legislature need? What does the governor need for assurance that we're spending it wisely? And we will make it work. So, no, we're not endorsing or opposing any individual piece. We just are thrilled that the discussion is taking place. Is tying shared revenue funding to the sales tax a sustainable way to fund local governments? What about in an economic downturn? When you look at the, it, it, the answer is yes. The, uh, when you look at the data from the last couple of decades, you've had a couple of downturns. And I think in only one or two years in the last 20 years, you've had a small dip in the sales tax. When you compare that small dip relative to what has happened in the last 20 years, with shared revenue. Um, I think we were at $938 million in 2003. And if you adjusted for inflation, we'd be at $1.5 billion today. We will absolutely take the risk of a small economic downturn. The other nice part about tying us to the sales tax permanently, then our towns, cities, villages, and counties know, and they know that they have to, in their own rainy day fund, start to think about what happens if there's a little bit of a downturn. So they can start the budget accordingly. We're not concerned about the uh, ups and downs of the sales tax at all, quite frankly. As you said, we're at kind of point A with the governor's proposal now, it moves into the legislature and GOP leadership has said, not gonna be a significant increase in local government funding unless there's significant reform, innovation, and consolidation is a word that's being used. Are your members supportive of a funding formula or increased formula that might be tied to required consolidation? Some are absolutely in support of that. Some are going to point out that we consolidated our fire department decades ago. We consolidated our ambulance. We consolidated the library. There's nothing left to consolidate. Um, <clears throat> local government in Wisconsin is far from a one-size-fits-all. Um, as part of an overall package, if that was a part of it, that's absolutely a good idea. In fact, in some places, we've had police chiefs say, you know, if there was just a little incentive here, we could get over the parochialism of some things. But I want to be real clear, and Mike probably has an even more strong opinion about this. Consolidation, efficiencies, they work if you have something you haven't already consolidated. And that's not the case for every local government. Is there room for towns to consolidate or find for their efficiencies? We are uh, very supportive of entrepreneurial local governments. We have been very entrepreneurial for years. So when you look at our fire departments, for example, um, over 80% of them are already consolidated. EMS, 97% of town EMS is performed in a consolidated fashion. 98% of our fire departments are some sort of volunteer and 70% of our EMS departments are some sort of volunteer. The people who run the elections in the state of Wisconsin, a topic that is another show we could do, um, <laughs> our clerks. You know, they get somewhere between eight and 10 bucks an hour. So we really pride ourselves on being extraordinarily innovative, extraordinarily fiscally conservative already. And yet we welcome that discussion to see if we can do more. But to Jerry's point, um, we have squeezed a lot and innovated a lot already. So uh, is that um, incentive to collaborate, if done correctly, excellent. 
but we have to be uh, certainly considering what we've done already. Is that where you think a majority of that future conversation in the legislature will be going forward? What, what are the contingencies to increased funding if it is, if the framework is innovation and reform? Yeah, yeah, that'll be yeah. a big part of the I mean, discussion. You're gonna be talking about how much, who gets it, and uh, what qualifies you for getting it. Those are gonna be the three discussions. Well, speaking of um, how much and who gets it, uh, we people are not just talking about increasing the overall funding, they're talking about the distribution method, which I know you both have said could also use a look. Um, total state funding for all local government entities is currently that $753 million, as we've said. It's been that amount since 2012 program year, with 5.6% going to towns, 8.4% going to villages, 16.3% to counties, and nearly 70% uh, to cities. Mike, is that a fair way to distribute that shared revenue, local government funding? So, Mike's going to say sure it is. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, so the, one of the funny parts about this whole dialogue is that we will hear from legislators and others, boy, it would be nice if the counties, cities, villages, and uh, towns would get along for once. We get, <laughs> we get along 95% of the time we're mm -hmm. on the same page. On this topic, I would That's say we're 99.9% on the same page. Here's where we might yeah. diverge just a little bit. What we have endeavored to do at the Towns Association, and I think Jerry's been in the same boat, um, we, we have said as we go into this, we're going to pretend we're in a cave. Um, not quite like Aaron Rodgers, but we're going to be in a cave, and when we come out in this new shared revenue land, I don't know if I'm going to be a town, city, village, or county. And when I come out, I want to look at this and say, I, I was treated fairly. If we were to come out of the cave today, 5.6% for our members, it just doesn't pass the, the smell test. Now, why is that? Um, why is 5.6% not the right amount for towns? You can look at any number of metrics that we could spend in another show on. Um, you know, the amount of egg economy um, comes in, one in nine egg job, one in nine jobs in the state, population, et cetera. But there's no perfect metric that you look at. I, I think what we're looking for is just to make sure it passes more of a, you know, a, a smell test, I will call it. What I think we definitely agree on with regard to the, the um, amount is that we're not going to let perfect uh, be the enemy of good on this. Um, it's got to be good, but we're not going to aim for perfect. I'm a big baseball guy. We just want a solid double to second base. We don't want a home run. So that, that distribution formula, 5.6% for towns, 8.4% villages, 70% to cities, the rest to counties, is that, do you think that's fair? Like, where do you see that needs to change? I, well, first of all, let me start with this. It's going to be changed. That formula, when it was written in the 70s, was designed to be updated every year. Minnesota, the parallel program in Minnesota, by law, they rewrite it every 10 years. And it's not to simply paint it as a county versus town versus city village. That's not even an accurate way to get at some of the disparities. I mean, what Milwaukee gets measured a variety of ways is substantially different than what the village of Stockholm, population 62, and I think they're lying a little bit, what they get. Um, what Janesville gets is dramatically less per capita than what Beloit gets. The formula's been frozen in time, and yet we've grown at different rates. That formula, Mike said it best, we are going to make adjustments to it 
to bring up those that are not getting what a smell test would tell you? Come on, they should have been doing better than that. But we're not going to get so caught up. I speak like I'm the king of the world. Whatever the legislature does, we're going to tell them we're not going to get so caught up on the perfect that we don't get this done. Because what one of our major cities thinks is perfect may look entirely different than what the town of Stevenson in Marinette County thinks is, is perfect. We've been telling our members the same thing. We're not doing the cave thing, but don't look at what your neighbors are getting. The goal here is to get plugged back into the economy, bring everybody's boat up a little bit, and then move forward from there. And I think we'll get there. Jerry's right, there's a macro level problem, which I think the percentages show, but there's also the micro level problem. It is inexplicable that one town, I have one town that gets $2.83 per capita, and another town gets $276 per capita. Or, you know, the two biggest cities of the state, Madison gets around 18 and Milwaukee gets around 376 per capita. So you have macro level percentage challenges and you've got micro level distribution challenges that is a result of 20 years of cuts, no increases, and a frozen formula. Historically, your organizations have not always agreed on this issue. We are talking about this right now. Why are you in working together now? Why is it important for you to kind of go into, I'm assuming you go into legislator offices together? Frequently. Um, I think you started off the interview with why. We're in a crisis. Uh, crises make for strange bedfellows on topics that we may not historically agree on. Um, this is crisis mode. When you can't have ambulances reach victims in an adequate amount of time. When you have, uh, we had a, a road project that was estimated six months uh, earlier, uh, May to June, that went from a $600,000 project to a $900,000 project. When you have runaway inflation, we're in crisis mode. Yeah. What, what unites us is far more important than what divides us. It's that simple. You know, Mike and I will argue in the back room, in that dark room, until he admits he's wrong. I'm kidding. But even legislators have said to us, to the counties, to the towns, and to the league, one thing that will blow this whole effort up is if we start doing a tug of war and fighting over who gets, who gets whatever share of whatever fictional pie. You know, let's, let's get the pie baked, let's get the pie bigger, and it'll take care of itself. And that is where we will stay. And your members are on board with that, even if it means some, there might be some winners and losers in the formula? Or yes. Okay. Yes. Because we know we're 30 years, it's not 20 years, it's 30 years that formula's, or that shared revenue's been flat. We know what doing it the way we've always done it got us. This is a new way of looking at it. And, and frankly, you get a, we will get a much better outcome. And when I say we, we're talking about the people of the state. I mean, his citizens, the citizens that live in my city's villages, those are the people of the state. And that's really what we're talking about, is providing them with essential basic services. If we can't get together on that and get that done, we're not doing our jobs. 
So let's talk about the city of Milwaukee for just a little bit. Um, the city and the county both facing a particular, p particularly serious fiscal cliff. They want the flexibility to impose a 1% county sales tax with half of, half of those funds going to the city. That was included in the governor's budget proposal. Do you support that flexibility for Milwaukee County? Is that part of your, of the town's agenda in any way? Jerry and I are working together on this. I mean, he understands that the egg economy and the forest products economy and the, the quarries that provide cement that build the buildings uh, are important to the state of Wisconsin and towns know that Milwaukee is just as important as the rural areas of the state of Wisconsin. Um, you cannot have a solution to this dilemma without addressing Milwaukee effectively. They absolutely need that flexibility for their, uh, to increase the county sales tax? They absolutely need a solution to the fiscal cliff. Uh, what I tell people is Milwaukee's situation, the root of it is really no different than the challenges being faced by the little villages all over rural Wisconsin. There are just more people involved. But yeah, you cannot fix this funding local government problem if you don't address the problem that our biggest city has. And yeah, we are absolutely working on that. The solution, again, could take a lot of forms. And, and I don't want to get wrapped up waving the flag that it's, you know, it's this way or no way. Whatever that formula, whatever that solution, we need to find a solution. Do those negotiations around what happens in Milwaukee have the ability to derail the larger agreement around statewide shared revenue? Is that a concern at all? You know what? I actually think it makes it an easier discussion to tell you the truth because it binds Milwaukee, a highly urbanized area, to the small cities, villages, and towns of the state because we're all in this together. Rising tide raises all boats. Uh, so I don't think it complicates it. I think it makes it easier. You agree? Absolutely agree, yes. Um, so what work has to happen now? Like what, what are your messages in the legislature? What's your elevator speech now that we're past the governor's budget? Uh, we've got timeline agreement. Uh, thanks for developing a strategy that the governor has now adopted as his own. Let's start to talk about the three other questions. How do we distribute this? Where does it go? And what kinds of caveats get put on that? And let's be reasonable about it given the um, crisis that we're in and the knowledge that we've been flat for so long and our net new construction in many areas of towns is so low, which is what drives your own source levy. What, what does your work look like with the league right now? Are you out state? Are you spending more time in the capital? We're, we're doing both. I, <laughs> I, I was in Wisconsin Dells this morning talking to my members, basically saying, don't take your foot off the gas. We're at this table because legislators understand the crisis that's occurring back home. We need them to keep hearing about that. In the meantime, Mike and I and the people that work with us are going to be doing whatever legislators and the governor need us to do. You know, if they need us to crank up a spreadsheet, if they need us to you know, come up with some way to implement innovation fund. Whatever they need us to do to get us there is what we're going to do. What do you pre predict to be kind of the areas of biggest compromise in that final budget document that gets on the governor's desk? Uh, it's going to be an interesting period where we have a lot of divergence, uh, and I always think that that's healthy. And we're going to have divergence in the Republican caucuses, and we're going to have divergence between the Republicans and the Democrats, and we're all going to 
converge on something. I don't know what that's going to look like, to tell you the truth. I, I wish I did. Um, what I am certain of, though, is that there will be a fix. Uh, it will be substantial. It will positively impact all corners of the state. Uh, and the citizens will be impacted positively in the services, core services, that we, get to, we, that we have to provide to them. Jerry, where do you think that area for biggest compromise is? I agree with Mike. I don't know. I, I really don't know. Um, because right now, everyone recognizes the need, and there seems to be a general consensus about the, the resources that are available. The rest of it is detail. It's important detail. It's complex detail. But if you know the need is there, and we know we have to address it, and we know we have the resources to address it, shame on all of us if we can't bring those two things together. And I think we will. All right. Well, that'll be the last word. Thank you both for joining us. Thank you. It's a pleasure. And thank you to the viewers of Newsmakers. Be sure to tune in again as we highlight the issues and sit down with the decision makers who make a difference for all of us. This program was brought to you from the Margaret Farrell Studio. This program is a production of Wisconsin Eye, an independent, nonpartisan, nonprofit media network with a mission to inform, educate, and engage the citizens of Wisconsin. Wisconsin Eye is the nation's first and only independently funded state civics broadcast network, providing gavel-to-gavel -gavel access to government proceedings and events at the state capitol.